from Swarthmore College. From Swarthmore College, this is This is This is This is War News Radio. Welcome to War News Radio. I'm Ross Layton. If you missed the first part of this two-part story, please be sure to check out the previous episode, where we covered the disastrous aftermath of the U.S. withdrawal from northeast Syria's border with Turkey. Turkey was never interested in intervening when ISIS controlled that entire border. And then suddenly, when ISIS is cleansed out of the area, and it's Syrian Kurds of the PYD running the show there, and controlling that area south of the Turkish border, then suddenly it's all about uh, a security risk and a a terrorist threat for Turkey, and Turkey has to go in and intervene, Uh, when in fact there were no attacks, no significant attacks at all from Syrian Kurdistan across the border into Turkey. This is not the first time the Kurds have been betrayed by the American government. We also spotlighted how diasporic Kurds and their allies have supported Western Kurdistan in its time of crisis. I decided to start a clothing drive just to see, you know, if we could get some items to send back home, winter clothes. And we ended up collecting, I think it was 29 pallets, and it was 27,800 pallets of items that we sent back, back home. And we explored the political underpinnings of the current conflict. The central government simply don't want to give Kurds rights. And then the Kurds are like, what are we to do? We're held hostage by the central government. We're not allowed to speak our mother tongue. We don't have the basic rights. The, the PKK comes out of the Turkish left movement of the 1960s and 70s, actually. Abdullah uh, Erdogan, the founder, often founded his own revolutionary party, which was the Kurdistan Workers' Party, and went back to eastern Turkey, or what the Kurds call northern Kurdistan, and and, uh, began a Maoist-style insurgency there. And the United States have tried to uh, draw a a kind of uh, dividing line saying uh, the PYD is not the PKK, but in fact they're they're ideological kin. A lot of PYD fighters are ex-PKK fighters. This time, we examine visions for the future of the Kurds, with a particular focus on Turkey's role in the politics of multiple Kurdish populaces. As we discussed in the last episode, Turkey's relationships with the Turkish and Syrian Kurds are tense at best, with the state categorizing Turkey's PKK and Syria's PYD as terrorist organizations. At the same time, however, Turkey has cooperated with Kurdish groups elsewhere, namely in Iraq. The Iraqi Kurds have been very astute about offering lots of business opportunities to Turkish companies and building their airports, their roads, supermarkets, and there, there came to be a, a strong Turkish economic interest in Iraqi Kurdistan. Second, the Iraqi Kurds uh, made it a key point not to intervene in Kurdish affairs of neighboring states, to say, no, no, we're just about Iraqi Kurdistan. We have 
um, ethnic kin in other countries and we care about them, but that's not our issue. We're not involved, so we're not going to be irredentist and uh, getting involved in other countries' domestic politics. That helped. That helped to allow Turkey to kind of um, make an exception for them. This is Professor David Romano, the Thomas G. Strong Chair in Middle East Politics at Missouri State University. All that aside, however, Turkey still had trouble accepting them. Uh, uh, when, when Kurds in Syria were started to make gains during the Civil War, you had several Turkish leaders make speeches where they said, we can't let uh, 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 northern Syria become another northern Iraq by which they meant uh, autonomous Iraqi Kurdistan. And the Iraqi Kurds were like, what's going on? I thought we were friends. You know? <laughs> and finally, it helped that the Iraqi Kurdish leaderships, especially the Kurdistan Democratic Party of Iraq, uh, have no love lost between them and the Kurdistan Workers' Party, the PKK, which has been the main Kurdish group fighting the Turkish state. A complicated dynamic has thus developed among Turkey and the various Kurdish groups impacting and reflecting these groups' ambitions for the future. Kurdish political power is highly multipolar, and uniting Kurds across state borders has proven to be no easy task. American Friends of Kurdistan co-founder Dilaman Abdulkader. I wish we could just unite. However, uh, because, you know, as we said previously, this is the biggest obstacle to Kurdish um, statehood and self-determination. It's us ourselves. It's, you know, we're preventing ourselves from gaining that statehood on top of the external factors. Although Kurds across the world share visions of a united, autonomous Kurdistan, there tends to be more rivalry than cooperation among Kurdish political figures and groups. I think that the Kurds have to move on from this sense of tribalism, if you will, uh, where, you know, we're or family, you know, these clans and where families are controlling uh, forces and Peshmerga forces like in Iraqi Kurdistan controlled by two families, the Barzanis and the Talibanis, the KDP, Kurdistan Democratic Party, and the Patriotic Union of Kurdistan. Um, they're controlling regions, they're controlling resources. Um, and then you have, for example, the Kurds in Turkey who are more aligned with the PKK. Um, and then you have the PKK-KDP tensions. And then you have the Kurds in Syria where they're more aligned with the PKK. However, you know, they're their own separate entity, but they don't have um, great relations, although they're trying at the moment, but they don't have great relations overall with the Kurds in Iraq, especially the KDP. Um, so, you know, you have all these back and forth. It's, it's a spider web of divisions. And I think the ultimate reason for that is nobody wants to give up power. Abdul Qadr makes a critical point. In order for Kurds from across Kurdistan to unite politically, some regional stakeholders would have to relinquish some power. And beyond this obstacle, there is no clear consensus as to what a unified Kurdistan would even look like, or how it could emerge. Iraqi Kurdistan backed down from its independence claim after a 2017 independence referendum was met with violence by the Iraqi government. The PYD in Syria and the PKK in Turkey have likewise focused on goals of regional autonomy within their respective states, not outright independence. It seems, then, that subnational autonomy is the plausible path forward, with independence and unification still the stuff of dreams. Indeed, autonomy, if anything, is what Kurdish-American activist Najir Zabari is hopeful for. I mean, I know we'll, we'll never get our own country, but 
at least let us control and make our own rules and laws like they did in, in, in Northern Iraq. Right. You know, uh, we'll, we'll never get any kind of say-so in Turkey. Turkey rules with an iron fist. I mean, I wish Northern, the Kurds of Northern Iraq would be the model for all the Kurds, but that's just not how, how life works. Abdul Qadr, meanwhile, has a more ambitious vision. I know that self-determination is the only solution for the Kurds, that only a state can provide the space to govern, only a state can provide the security that it requires. So Kurds are no longer considered non-state actors, so other states are forced to abide by the sovereignty that the Kurds may potentially have. Um, and a lot of these conflicts that are occurring around the Kurds and against the Kurds are because these Kurds are non-state actors. They don't have a seat at the UN. Um, they're not part of international coalitions or security blocs um, like, like NATO. But once they do have a state, they're able to have access to these international forums. They're able to access uh, the international, um, the, the World Bank and the IMF. For example, they're able to voice their opinions at the United Nations. Hey, if you want security, if you want to prevent future genocide, if you don't want your people being refugees any longer, speaking as a re uh, refugee, we have to have a state. There would, of course, be immense challenges on any path towards statehood. Right, so with the, uh, the obstacles as far as um, gaining statehood are two tier. Um, you know, there's many factors, but majority, you know, one, one is that it's internal, an internal obstacle among the Kurds themselves. Who's going to control the resources? That's the ultimate um, issue. Um, and the Kurds themselves have to be brave enough to, you know, um, say, you know, enough of this tribalism, enough of this, um, you know, looking up to these leaders, you know, the Abdullah Ocalan, the Barzanis, the Taliban, you know, they're great. Thank you for your uh, service to the country and the national cause. But we have to move on towards institution building. We have to move on towards democracy, free, free and fair elections. Everybody else in the neighborhood is taking a lap around us, unfortunately, if I can say it in the simplest terms. Um, this, is, this is a volatile region, and the Kurds can't afford um, to be divided. And it's the division internally that prevents them from pushing back these conflicts. The second uh, uh, factor, as you mentioned earlier, is the external factors, um, which is these state institutions, these uh, entities like uh, Turkey, like Assad regime, um, like Iraq and Iran. Are these states willing to negotiate with the Kurds? Um, as the Kurds speaking, no. Um, no, because largely, I mean, the population in Turkey, for example, and in the southeast, what the Kurds call North Kurdistan, it's about 20 to 25 million Kurds alone. It's the largest population of uh, where Kurds reside. Is Erdogan or any Turkish government willing to give up the southeast region, where there's access to the Tigris and the Euphrates, especially in a country like Turkey with lack of natural resources? Uh, are they willing to give up, you know, their population is about 79, 80 million, 25% of their population, which is the Kurds? The uh, likely answer is no. Nevertheless, Abdul Qadr remains optimistic. I think the Middle East is rapidly changing. The Kurds just have to be prepared and ready. And that's always my advice towards the Kurds, is just be prepared and ready. You have to have a vision. 
That's why institution building is so critical. And you also have to plan well before. You can't just declare a state out of nowhere. So I do strongly believe that there will be a Kurdistan. The timing is not if. It's about when. War News Radio is a production of Swarthmore College. This episode was reported by the War News Radio team and written and produced by Nick Herschel Burns, Lucas Meyer Lee, and Sophia Peterson. For more from War News Radio, find us on Facebook or Twitter, or visit our website at warnewsradio.org. Thanks for listening.